Browns Wire podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley. With me, as always, is Adam Moore. Okay, everybody, we're going to talk about free agency. We're going to dive right in and talk about the big four signings that they had the first day, where the three signings they had the first day, the big trade that they made uh, in the afternoon, and then they made they had two other additions literally right as we were turning on the computer. Uh, make sure you stay tuned, too, because later on, uh, Adam and I are going to talk to NFL agent Austin Feniger. Uh, about how the CBA uh, is affecting the new salary cap and how it's going to be affecting the Browns. Uh, but let's dive right in here in free agency, man. H- how you doing? And what did you see? Dude, well, first of all, are you healthy? Do you have the coronavirus? Oh, no, I'm healthy. Okay, good. See, I, see what I'm doing, and, and for those listeners, you know, you can't see this, but I, I mean, me and Josh are Skyping. I'm drinking Coronas right now. I'm fighting fire with fire. <laughs> Fire with fire. There yeah, I figure it's just the same. This is the same thing as like a like a like a vaccine, right? You just you know, I drink a little Corona, you know, my my, my body gets used to it. Now I'm you know I'm not going to get infected by it. So I think that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. I believe it's called Osmosis. Osmosis mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, movie that that movie was was awesome. You remember? That yeah, movie? you liked it. I loved it. I'd watch. I'd turn it on right now if you had it. You put it on. You put it on for the kids. You saw where Disney released uh, Frozen two like two months before they were gonna have it on DVD on their app. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Well, you know, it's I mean, I'm not. Because, I didn't watch it. I'm just saying. Well, I've seen it like probably thirty times, but with my kids. But it, the funny thing about that is, is yeah, we have Disney Plus here, and obviously that movie that movie came out a couple of weeks ago is when it was released, like on the DVD or however they do it. Wait, Frozen two was. Frozen 2 was, yeah, but it was just just recently got on oh. Disney Plus. So it was out for like I don't know, maybe a month or so. But here's the deal. Oh, <laughs> so I must I miss I misunderstood the situation then. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So my mother-in-law, when it first came out, you know, she was over and she wanted to to buy it on her Amazon account for the kids so they could watch it here. They wanted to watch Frozen 2. So she bought it, <clears throat> Frozen 2. They watched it. And I, I don't know what happened, but she, she called her. We talked to her like a couple weeks later. She's like, hey, like I've bought Frozen 2 like five, six times now. So apparently my kids are over here buying Frozen 2 multiple times on her Amazon account. <laughs> no way. Yeah, That's yeah. So amazing. She, she owns like six copies of, of Frozen 2 on her and Amazon they're all account. they're all digital copies? Yeah. I don't, and I don't know or, how all that is works. She, or is she ordering like digital copies on Amazon or is she ordering yeah. like the physical copy that's coming in the mail? No, she's ordering the, the digital copy on Amazon. I bet she, she must just keep renting it by accident, dude. I bet yeah. she's not pressing buy. I bet she's pressing well, rent. It's uh, it's uh, it's my oldest son in here doing it, for sure. It's not her. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, and no. So we're getting into, we're getting to that stage in our life where, so my father in law, he they they my my wife's family all are big into games. Like they all have PlayStation fours. They all you know all play games together. Well, <clears throat> my son, my oldest son, when he'd go over there, he'd love playing PS four. Um, so what my father in law did, he went and he bought himself a new one and gave us his old one. The first day we get it set up, my wife, she gets it set up. She goes to take our daughter and to put her down for a nap. She comes out, and my oldest son had ordered $110 in Fortnite coins. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, my God. My wife was so pissed, dude. She called me like, I've never seen her that mad. I'm like, chill out first. But Can, <laughs> can you hilarious. call and get your money back, though? Like That, ha- yeah, we, that must they, happen all the time, dude. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. I'm like, they, they ha- this can't be the first time that's happened. They, and they did end up refunding. PlayStation Network refunded our money. Uh, but I get in my wife, but my wife called and I guess that it wasn't as easy as, as I thought it would be. I guess they were a little, a little hesitant. Maybe they thought we were trying to scam them, but no. Oh, cause I'm sure that people do that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, because because I'm sure that there's no way to take away those coins. So your son probably still has all <laughs> right. the coins that he fake purchased. You know, I mean, I'm th- I'm thinking that's how that works. I, I don't know, but well, I that's know my amazing. Wife just deleted the game, said you know, fuck, fuck it, Fortnite's gone. He, I love that he knows enough about technology to spend your money. He doesn't know enough about your tech about technology to like know that it's actually really money. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're that's in that awesome. dangerous period. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, the danger zone for sure. <clears throat> For sure. Anyway, but, hey, let's get into free agency. We have, like you mentioned, we have some, uh, we have a couple ads. We got a few losses, but overall, I think it's been a really good free agency, uh, you know, week here for the Browns. What, what's your take? Oh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I, if they stopped today, I'd be, I'd be satisfied. I mean, they got, they got three guys that I think are impact guys. Um, they got, you know, two, two other guys that are very solid contributors, and then they got a backup quarterback who I could give or take, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're gonna get it. We'll definitely get into that because I, I guess I have a little bit of opinion on that. But I, and I know I follow, I follow your Twitter account, obviously, so I know that you weren't. Oh, super you saw everybody. About you saw everybody rip me apart. That were was they like, ripping you apart. I didn't see him ripping no, you apart. I don't think. I don't think anybody read the article either. I retweeted the article, and five people commented within thirty seconds. So I'm yeah. sure that they didn't read the article. I'm sure that they just read my like tweet where I said, ah, I'm not very stoked about this. And yeah. they said, why not? What's going on? Why do you hate him? What's going on? Why do you hate him? You suck. Okay. <laughs> That's reasonable. It's a reasonable take. All right. But yeah, I, uh, let's dive into Let's get a little bit of a rundown here. Yeah, uh, right. The first big signing of the day was Austin Hooper. Huge. Um, I, I mean, yes, a huge signing. Signing, great signing. I think we can both agree he's at, at the very worst. He's a top fifteen tight end in the NFL. Six foot four, two hundred fifty four pounds. Only twenty five years old. Uh, a lot of people remember him dominating at Stanford. Uh, the Falcons drafted him. I can't remember. It was a third round, second round, uh, which was viewed as a steal at the time. He's definitely one of the better route runners uh, in all of professional football. I mean, as far as tight ends goes, because uh, he's just so smooth. Um, I think his biggest weakness is probably. Uh, his his lack of strength as a blocker. He's not the most dominant inline blocker like you see with guys like George Kittle. Uh, but I think he's great. I think this is a great pickup. I think it's a great signing. What do you think? I, I think he's he's uh, in tier two of receiving tight ends behind Kelsey Kittle. Uh, that group, you know, he's he was for like he was like the number one fancy tight end in football last year. So. You know he was super productive. He can catch the ball. He's good in space. He, he you know he's good after the catch. I think this is a huge addition, especially yes. Um, you know with with the troubles that Njoku's had the last couple of years with drops and with staying healthy. I think this is a great, great pickup, great addition, a uh, great weapon for Baker here in this offense. And I, I like I like the idea of, of keeping two tight, keeping both because yes. you. I think you mentioned. Well, I think we know what they're going to do with Njoku now, or maybe you said something like, "Oh, Njoku's gone." But I, I like the no, idea I of didn't. having them both. I think that they're going to keep them both. Yeah, I think that's a great I, idea. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, both those guys were top talents. I think that the, I view Austin Hooper and Njoku the same way. I totally see both of them being on. I, I don't see them moving Njoku at all. I think this is all part of their package. Uh, you know, they run a lot of. Uh, uh, I mean, they run a lot of two tight end sets, so I don't. I don't have any issue with them keeping both tight ends. Uh, yeah, and like you said, Hooper had career year last year in multiple uh, statistical categories for tight ends, uh, receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, and he only played like seven or eight games. No, no, I'm sorry, he played. Nine games, missed seven with an injury. So imagine what he would have done with a full healthy year. You know, he's not an injury-prone guy. Uh, he's only 25 years old. He'll be 25 deep into the season. I don't think we've, we're have done seeing him grow. I think that, you know, we're – I think he's underrated as far as you know the grand scheme of things as far as tight ends go yep. because he did get hurt right when he was starting to hit his stride. 
No, no. You know, being a, a good tight end is more than just putting up fancy numbers. I understand that, but you said top fifteen. I think you're wildly underrating. I, I mean, he. I think he's a top five tight end. Just you know, at least I, I at least a receiving tight end for sure. Tom. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue against that. I was just saying it. It's. I. I wouldn't argue against that. I would say it's inarguable that he's top. Like you can make an argument depending on what style tight end you like for those first 15 spots, but it's inarguable that he's in the top, that top echelon. Yep, That's all I'm saying. But top five. I think top five is completely reasonable. I don't think you're yeah. insane at all. You did mention that you had him in tier two of your tight ends. Who's it? What does that but mean? So I think, but he's I your mean, number five tight end. So it sounds like your tier one is pretty small. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kelsey Kittle, obviously those are the t- top two. Um, but then you're, you you get into a, the next level where you got some of these young guys uh, that are kind of ascending, uh, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, those type of players. I, I, I view him right there as as the next group of guys that are going to make that cusp into um, you know like a like a league leading tight end. I and I, I completely agree with that. I think that that's a perfectly fine take. Um, I guess the next free agent sign, the next big one. It was the next one overall. Jack Conklin, the offensive tackle, previous team was with the Tennessee Titans, uh, six foot six, three hundred eight pounds, also twenty five years old. Um, I think most people in, in Ohio will remember him because he played at Michigan State, was a dominating uh, offensive tackle, Michigan State All Big Ten player. Uh, was drafted in the top ten by the Tennessee Titans. Had a very good rookie year, outstanding rookie year, and then the injury bug kind of bit him lately. I believe he tore his ACL deep into his sophomore season, uh, so his third year wasn't very good. Uh, this past year, he looked more like the old Jack Conklin. Um, but I mean, I think, I think he's a great tackle. I think he's probably also in the. I think he's probably a top ten uh, right tackle in the in the NFL. Um, yeah. You know, he does a lot of things right. He, he's he's your blue collar. Your typical blue collar, Big Ten, off the tackle. He's a former walk on. You know, he's a grinder. He'll, he's a coach's dream. Does whatever they tell him to do. Very technical blocker. The biggest problem with him is that he does lack the elite athleticism to handle speed path. You know, speed rushers. Um, and you know, if those injuries keep tallying up, or if he, if it turns out that you know we're not going to get the old Conklin, that could be an issue. Yeah, but no, I, I, love I, mean, I think this is I love it, too. I, I think this is a huge pickup. Um, you know, obviously, we, we've talked for weeks now that the that the, the one thing that the Browns have to do this offseason, whether it be in free agency or through the NFL draft, is they have to provide some protection for Baker Mayfield. Uh, if they're going to do anything good next year, it's going to be because Baker has a good year and he's not going to have a good year, as we saw last year, without being protected with his offensive line. So I think this is a big first step. Do you, but do you think this signals anything for the draft? Do you still think they're going uh, offensive tackle here at 10? I'm glad you're, I'm glad you asked that. I, I think that everything they're, they're doing is designed to relieve pressure so they can take the best player available. I don't think this changes their draft strategy at all. I think they always thought that first of all, they're going to need multiple offensive linemen. Okay. And I think that they've always went into the idea of like, okay, we need to put our, we need to put ourselves in position. So we're not handcuffed to an offensive tackle at 10. Now with that said, if the offensive tackle class is so strong, I don't think that if we're, you know, they, if they, if Worfs is there, Jedrick Wills is there, Mackay Becton is there. I think, I think that they're still probably taking an offensive tackle at number 10 because there's just so much, I mean, you can get an elite tackle, at 10, and it's hard to pass that up. Uh, yep. But I do think it gives them a little bit more flexibility to maybe stare longer. And if, I, if a guy like Isaiah Simmons falls, or I think I saw a mock draft where Jeffrey Akuda f- fell past 10. I mean, it does give you more options to look at. I But I think that that was the plan the whole time, was just to make them more flexible for the draft. Yep. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I still think offensive tackle is the play at 10 if it's available, if, if the guy that they like is there. But exactly. I also agree with That's you, too. Is it, it does provide them some flexibility here. If the guy that they love doesn't doesn't make it to 10, that uh, you know they're not beholden to take a tackle there, you know, take somebody they don't love. Uh, so maybe, maybe if maybe, or maybe they like somebody uh, that they know they can get at 16 or 19, and maybe they trade back. Who knows? I, I think it just opens up um, some flexibility and some options for them. Uh, now they're trying to, they're starting to fill some of these holes. I uh, think you you hit it on the head too when you said it allows them to take the guy that they want. If they have their eyes set on off the tackle, which I believe that they do. They'll take them, but if let's say that a weird run happens and Worfs, Wills, and Backdown are off the board by ten, well, Josh Jones, that's a little bit of a reach for him at ten, right? So maybe they do mm-hmm. trade back. Let's say, and they're and they don't they don't feel the pressure to take a guy like Josh Jones because you know there's he's kind of in that weird realm, kind of like with Josh or Austin Jackson at a USC where. Those guys are very unproven, more athletic types that aren't going to be in your upper echelon. Um, so I, I think it does kind of relieve that pressure, like you said. But if, they, if the guy that they like is there, whether that's Wills or Wirfs or whoever, I believe that they still take him. Yeah, I agree. So the the, the other big name that uh, that Cleveland added this free agency is Case Keenum. We t- we mentioned it really briefly here at the top. He's of the only show, a but... big name because he's a quarterback, by the way. Yeah, you're I right. I want to be very clear with that. But he, he's been a starting quarterback uh, for the past, what, three or four years, albeit at, at different teams every year. But regardless, I, I think you're you're getting a guy here that's obviously familiar with Stefanski, who's played well under Stefanski, who has a ton of experience, especially at starting quarterback. Um, I, I think they overpaid. I, I think it was an expensive contract for Keenum. But at the end of the day, I think you have somebody behind Baker that if something happened to Baker, if he got injured, God forbid, that can step in and still win games with this football team. So here's the, here's the issue I have with that. I'm glad you brought that up. Everybody's been hitting me up on Twitter saying that, say that same exact thing. No. If Baker goes down, this team blows. Okay? I don't think Case Keenum comes and saves the day. Everybody keeps bringing up the 2017 NFC Championship. Brock Osweiler had a couple good games there, too, when the Broncos <laughs> went to the Super Bowl, right? And no one, you saw what happened when we went knocking on that door. Okay? Case Keenum is just not good. He has familiarity with the offense. But if Baker goes down, Baker goes down and the Browns are done. If it's me... Case Keenum is not worth his contract. Case Keenum is not worth the roster spot because I don't think anybody else really wants him. Okay, if it's me, I know that Baker's my guy. I'm signing a guy that maybe I could turn around who looks pretty when they throw a couple passes in preseason and that I can get additional assets for, kind of like what the Eagles do, right? So I, I maybe go get a guy like P.J. Walker from the XFL who dominated who's got a similar body style to Baker Mayfield, who runs the play action like a champ and can come in there and he's for the 10th of a price, right? You know what what that part is too? He's the same size as Case Keenum and more athletic. And you know what I mean? Like, tell me why PJ Walker wouldn't be a good signing there. Yeah. No, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he wouldn't be. Uh, but do you think this has anything to do with with getting some experience or getting some some veteran leadership behind Baker to kind of maybe mentor him in some ways? Because he hasn't really had that in his career thus far. I, I'm sure that that's that that is the case. I'm sure that they're I'm sure, you know, him, him being familiar with the playbook and how everything goes. Case Keenum should be able to go in there in day one and know what to do and how to handle. It. And I'm sure that does help. Right. I'm not going to throw a tantrum that they side Keenum. I just I don't see there is an unreasonable amount of people that are happy about this signing. And I don't understand why the dude is 32 years old and he can't throw it 20 yards and he never could. And you know what? People forget that he was third string for the Redskins. They were going to go with Colt McCoy 
Dwayne Haskins, and then Case Keenum. Case Keenum almost got cut by the Washington Redskins last year before Colt McCoy had to go in for another surgery because he broke his leg the year before. He was going to lose out to Colt McCoy. And that we're still talking about. We're still talking about. We're still talking about Case Keenum. Case Keenum's been on more teams than I can. I can't count how many teams he's been on on one hand. He's been. I mean, there for a while he was getting traded back and forth from the Rams to the uh, Texans, like three or four times. Every year he had a new home. It was wild. Dude, he's not good. I kind of feel he's bad for his not wife. Like, good. you can't just settle down. Like every every ten months, you're yeah. You up feel you feel bad city. for his wife. Your wife was <laughs> your wife was on hold with the PlayStation Network over a hundred dollars. That's never gonna happen with Case Keenum's wife. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, so let's let's try to redistribute who we're feeling bad for. Yeah, that's funny. But so, I just I don't see it, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I th- I agree. I think it was I think it was expensive, um, but they must have the reasons for wanting him in the building, and I'm not going to second guess that. I don't I don't think it's a horror. I mean, you could do worse for backup quarterbacks. I I agree with you. Well, hell uh, yeah, PJ Walker. There's obviously there's 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 uh, other guys with more with more upside, obviously, with than Case Keenum. But you know, you're not you're not looking for upside with a backup quarterback. I think you're looking up you're looking for security with a backup quarterback, and I think they got that with Keenum. I don't get that. I don't get that frame of thought. Someone needs to teach. Someone needs to walk me through why that's the, the why that's the frame of thought. Because oh, you want stability stability at the backup quarterback, dude. If he was good, he'd be starting. If you got to go to your backup quarterback, that's you're gonna lose that, and that's 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 more than reasonable. Who was it? Chuck Pagano that said we don't give our backup quarterback any any reps in practice, or maybe it was Bruce Arians. We don't give him any reps in practice because if he's got to play. Well, then we're screwed. Was that with when he? I, it was so old, cool. Yeah, it had to be Pagano because I think he was talking about uh, Peyton Manning at the time. Okay, but, yeah, but whatever. They just there's there's no point if Baker Mayfield goes down. He's gonna get all the reps in preseason. He's gonna get all the reps in practice. He's gonna get all the reps here. He's gonna get all the reps there. All with the first team. Case Keenum's gonna get what three snaps the first what? team, the first that's, four months he's with there. You think he's gonna come in and salvage the season? Well, and even if he the does, argument. they're not gonna win the Super Bowl with him, right? Right. Well, well, Keenum doesn't need. I, arguably, the Keenum doesn't need those reps. He's already gotten those reps. You know, he he knows what to do when he gets in the game. A guy like PJ Walker, he needs reps. He needs to come in. He needs the the practice where Keenum Keenum doesn't. He's already been through that. He already knows the deal. So, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe, I, I, maybe I that's a valid point. Bet, best case scenario, this is a moot point. We're and it's Baker's job for for, for sixteen games next year or seventeen games next year, right? Or yeah. We'll get into that here in a, in, a, in a few minutes, but you're right. I, this is a, this is a, a worst case scenario discussion we're having. Hopefully, everything is 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 good to go with Baker next year, and he has a long, healthy, happy season. So all I'm saying is, and then we'll, then we'll get on the phone with Austin. All I'm saying is, what, what the Patriots do, the Patriots get rid of all their backup quarterbacks for for assets, dude. So yeah. what the, if you go sign a guy like PJ Walker, who's first of all, who's more ready than Case Keenum, because Case Keenum hasn't played football since November now, right? Because yep. he got benched for Dwayne Haskins. But Philip Walker was playing two weeks ago. He had come in warm. He's going to come in high. He's in football shape. He's going to look real pretty for the preseason. If he got, he's got to go in, he's not terrible. Was never terrible in Indianapolis. And then if he doesn't have to play, maybe you can garner some assets there. Do you know what I mean? Like you with Case Keenum, Case Keenum is never going to get you anything. There's no upside to Case Keenum. He yep. is what he is. And what he is is not good. No, I, so, I, I don't disagree with that. But I, I do it, think with this roster, I think he's capable of coming in and winning games if he's needed, if he's asked to do that. I, I do think he's, I do think he's not as awful um, as as he were, it, 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 you know, if he were asked to come in with with the roster that's put around him, I think he can win games. That's my. So I you, guess do you think that Case Keenum can win the Super Bowl with this year's Cleveland Browns? 
I don't think he can win the Super Bowl. No. Well, then what the um, hell are we talking about? I don't think. He, I, I mean, let's say let's say Baker uh, has a high ankle sprain. I don't think Keenum's going to come in and go zero and six. You know, for a month and a half. I mean, I think I think he's he can he can go five hundred with this roster, which is all you need him to do in that situation. Okay, I I that's a reasonable point. That's an absolutely reasonable point. Totally. So let let I tell you what. Let's let's put the free agency conversation on hold because we got bigger fish to fry. We got to get on the phone with Austin right now. All right, guys, this is our interview with the NFL agent Austin Feniger. Uh, he was with us earlier in the year. Uh, he's pretty much the master of everything contracts and off season. So Austin, we kind of wanted to bring you on to talk about the CBA, man. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I well, appreciate you guys having me back on. Had a great time last time. Um, well, hey, before yeah, you get like started, it. Austin, are you um, are are you happy that that Josh didn't just completely butcher your last name this time? <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Nick's no one Adam. right the first time. So. Yeah, well, I, you uh, know, I, I do try. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a thought that counts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised that it ultimately passed. I was surprised that it got rushed through, I think, as quickly as it did. It seemed like uh, quite a whirlwind over the last few weeks, whereas, you know, all this time, you know, we were led on to believe that, you know, it's probably going to run through next season or, you know, be negotiated through next season and then, you know, try to have a plan in place before the start of the league year uh, next year in March of 21. So, you know, when all the talks started coming about, you know, right around the combine time, uh, you know, I was a little surprised by that. You know, I, I understand why the owners did it, though, because, you know, they're trying to get new uh, media rights deals. That was a, a big bargaining point uh, on their end with wanting to get the players through. So, um, you know, once there's some back and forth um, and, and I saw the initial proposals, you know, I wasn't shocked that it got passed. I was a little disappointed that it got passed this early. And, you know, I think there's a lot left on the table. Um, yeah, I, we'll get into all this, you know, as we go. You know, I don't think it's a bad deal. You know, there are a lot of good things for a lot of players in it. But I think uh, – I do think it was rushed. And I think there was – yeah, a lot more could have been had if, if they, you know, took the time and, you know, held out a little bit longer. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good point that that we kind of glossed over there that we really haven't talked about much. But this is a 2021 CBA, so this is this is something that that technically wouldn't need to be in effect for this year. So is are are the are, is the is the season being expanded this year? Is the playoffs being expanded this year? Or are we gonna have to wait till 2021 to see that? So 2021 would be the earliest for the uh, 17 game season. Uh, and they're saying it could be 2022, but 2021 at the earliest. But I, I believe I've had to double check on playoffs, but I believe the playoffs um, are going to be expanded this coming season. Uh, and again, y'all have to double check on that. I'm, you know, have to reread it several times and kind of get it to heart. But uh, yeah, I believe I believe this next year is when they'll just have one buy, uh, one one team on each uh, conference will have the buy, and you know, an extra. Um, you know, opening round playoff game. And then, yeah, the, the 2021 would be the earliest for 17 games. So, and then, um, you know, they're going to keep the revenue share the same for next season, 2020. And then, again, uh, 2021 is when it would jump up to potentially to 48 or 48-5, um, you know, for the players if it goes to the 17 games in that season. So, 
yeah, that that still hasn't been decided yet on you know what yeah. what year is going to be. I'm sure they're going to try to do it as quickly as possible, though. Yeah. No, you mentioned you mentioned the bye week. That was one thing that I thought was a win-win for both the players and the owners that we didn't see was the addition of a second bye week. Is that something that's still negotiable? That's still on the table, or is that still, or are we going to see one bye week for the next ten years? Yeah, I believe it's just one bye week, and that that is something that I was surprised at. That you know, if you're going to have you know an extra game, that yeah, you should have some extra rest, and you know, everyone's trying to talk about player safety now. That's the big thing, you know, rightfully so. Um, so I, I yeah, I think they they could have done an extra bye. I know they're I guess the plan is to take away one of the preseason games and fill that in for a, a regular season game now instead, but. Yeah. You know, I think they could have pushed everything back a little bit further or had, um, you know, not had the extra week before the Super Bowl if they still wanted everything to, um, you know, coincide on the same timeline. You know, that would have been my recommendation then. Um, move that forward, but, you know, have or have the extra buy instead <coughs> so you don't have that two-week gap before the Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's, yeah, different ways they could have done it. But, yeah, I just 16 games already is a tough season. That's you know, being a former college athlete and it's, you know, at the max you're doing 14 games and even that's just a, a total grind. And that's before, uh, you know, NFL guys have playoffs. So it's um, definitely takes a toll on you. And I think the more rest they could have gotten, uh, the better, you know, obviously they got some, some off season considerations, but, you know, personally I'd rather do more in the off season, kind of stay at it year round, but have, more breaks in season where you're you're really going at it yeah i think i think the second bye week makes so much sense and i, I guess that's why i was confused well i thought for sure we'd see it in this cba i mean it it adds rest for the players at all but it also ultimately extends the year in essence for the fans you know it you know you, you know everybody plays fancy footballs these days everybody bets on games these days it just adds another yeah. week that you're able to do that so i thought that would have been a win-win for everybody uh but i guess from an owner's perspective you're not Without that extra game, you're not selling those tickets. You're not getting those those advertising dollars and those revenues. So I guess I can understand from their perspective why they would want to add a 17th game. But right. I thought 16 games with two bye weeks or 17 games with two bye weeks was was a no brainer. Yeah, and I and you know part of the reason why I'm a bigger college fan, I think, is just you know a little bit shorter season. Every game matters more uh, than you know when you add even more to the NFL. You know, me personally, I. I think it gets uh, even more bogged down and just a little too much, but I, I get what you're saying too, you know, more for fantasy, obviously more money in the owner's pockets. That's what they care about the most at the end of the day, they're running a business. Um, and, you know, a lot of the diehard fans, you know, will do want to watch more football. So, um, you know, I get it. I'm glad there is labor peace uh, ultimately because, you know, that affects my job. It affects a lot of other people's jobs and a lot of fans want to watch football. So, you know, it is good that there is a CBA, but again, you know, I think that, you know, it really kind of came about pretty quickly at the end. You know, I know they're negotiating for months, but, uh, you know, the the real back and forth contentious part seemed to really last the last just a few weeks. And, you know, I think they could have really strung it out much longer and utilized the leverage that they had to, you know, get back on track more. I think the players had it much better, um, you know, pre-2011 CBA. And then the owners, you know, arguably had the the best uh, or most lopsided negotiation in sports history. A lot of people say, 
um, you know, on the last CBA. So I think maybe clawed back a little bit, but I think there's still a lot, of, a lot more room to be had that, you know, ultimately wasn't taken advantage of. Now, you said it was rushed through, and I, I, I've heard people say that before, but can you explain to people? I think a lot of people think that the CBA is written basically in the off, on the off season or the same off season to negotiate on, but this thing's been worked on since last year around the same yeah. time, correct? And But the biggest issue, and I think that's uh-huh. why people are saying that it's rushed through, is because the players, you know, obviously – the playing football is their job. So why this thing's right. why the majority of this thing is getting written, they don't really get to see it until the off season. Correct. Right. So, exactly. So, oh, go ahead. Well, so so when you when you say it's rushed through, you're not necessarily talking about the comp- compiling the document. It's just that you know talk about the finalizing it, the final touches. Correct. I mean, or like what? What? Explain to me what you mean by that. Right, right. So, yeah, it's been negotiated for, for months and months. I think they were saying around 10 months. Um, but like you said, you know, a, a large chunk of that is, you know, the summer where they're in training camp and then, you know, during the season. So, you know, every team has their committee members and then you have your executive committee uh, and then, you know, players. And then you have your, um, you know, board members, so to speak, on the NFLPA, you know, DeMarie Smith and uh, Mark Levin, Aaron Barco, some of the other, um, you know, non-football players, uh, so to speak. So, you know, th- it's negotiated this whole time, but for at least the players, you know, obviously they're distracted for the vast majority of that time period. And, you know, a lot of players didn't even know what was really in the CBA that were voting up, you know, up until the vote. And we saw, what was it? Um, like a fifth of the players, I, I can't remember the exact number, didn't even vote, um, you know, on the CBA. And, you know, many were asking right up to the deadline, you know, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? What does this all mean? So, you know, I think the the most or the strongest piece of leverage that the players had, you know, outside of going to 17 games was just the timing. Uh, you know, there was really no reason for them to want to deal right away. Obviously, I I touched on before with the owners wanting to have labor peace so they can negotiate new media rights. But for the players, they're going to have a 2020 season no matter what happens. That's already negotiated for. So, you know, why not wait, you know, take a hard line stance, create doubt in the owner's <laughs> mind that, hey, maybe we will strike or you know, have some unrest or we're going to push harder so you can't get your, you know, new media deals right away. So I think, so when I say it was rushed, that's what I mean by that, you know, although it was negotiated for quite a while, not everyone knew, you know, what was in it. And they still had a whole year's time where they could have asked for more, went back and forth or took a stronger stance on their end. So do you know why there was such a low voter turnout for this? You know, I don't really know for certain, obviously, you know, in the United States, we don't vote much uh, for, for presidential <laughs> elections or, or what have you. So, you know, I, I think we're lazy in general uh, when it comes to that type of stuff. Um, again, I I think, you know, the information was, you know, decently um, you know disseminated out there. It maybe could have been a little more clear. Um you know, I don't like where some of the players were wanting to change votes because they found more information out and then weren't able to. I think that was, uh, you know, I think they should have had up to the deadline to be able to switch their vote if they, 
you know, learn more on it. Um, but yeah, I really don't know exactly why, um, or didn't because it was a very close vote. I think it was within, you know, like a 50 point swing total, um, that, you know, every vote really counted. It's not like you're in a, you know, a red state or blue state where, you know, you might not even show up because, you know, your vote's not really going to count. It's, you know, a, just a small number of people voting one way or the other would have changed the, you know, the direction of the NFL. So, you know, I think it's a little disappointing, uh, you know, in my opinion, just, you know, even if it would have stayed the same way, I think just if you had a larger sample size, but yeah, I couldn't really tell you any other reason why, you know, it wasn't a better turnout than what it was. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, obviously it's passed. There's nothing they can do about it now. What, I mean, what do you, you know, as you really dig into it, like, what are you, what are your, what are the pros? What are the cons for the players in this deal? Yeah. And the, the owners are smart because they appeal to the masses and, you know, that's why I believe it did got there, why it got passed. And, you know, once I saw that, you know, they're raising the minimum salaries across the board and, you know, by a significant amount, a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and then, you know, by the last year of the uh, CBA, it's, the minimum is going to be, you know, a million dollars a season. Uh, currently, mm-hmm. or it was five ten. Now it's going to, you know, jump up a hundred thousand. So I mean, that's a, you know, a huge chunk of money, and especially some of these guys where you know the average careers, I think, just <laughs> under three years. So that's uh, that's almost, you know, if a guy lasts three seasons, that's almost uh, an extra season's worth of salary when you add it all up. So yeah, no, I, I mean that's. That. Oh, that's an interesting and, point. Uh, yeah, then a couple uh, extra spots on the active roster, uh, jumping the practice squad number from 10 to 12 this year, and then it'll jump up again to 14. So that's a, a lot more jobs, especially for you know guys at that bottom end of the roster or who have, who have been bouncing around. So those are some great things, and I you know I wish they would have had even more roster sizes, um, more practice squad, just to help even more players out, you know, that would probably cycle less veterans, uh, you know, off of contracts, but, you know, it's a step in the right direction. And, you know, I think that's why it appealed to so many players because, you know, most of them aren't looking 10, 20 years down the road or thinking about their healthcare after football. It's, you know, what's going to help me right now at the, you know, the few years that I may have to make this much money where I'm never going to make this much money, you know, in a short amount of time again. Yeah, you mentioned the owners. They're um, <clears throat> they're they're not billionaires for no reason. Obviously, they had a they had a right. plan. They they divided and conquered, as you will, um, with kind exactly. of pitting the 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 high salary versus the low salary guys. You mentioned appealing to the masses. This is really a deal that benefits the low salary guys, and that's ultimately the the players who who pass the CBA through. Um, this, I mean, obviously the CBA, this, this new CBA is really uh, a benefit to the back end of these rosters, probably like the, the low 80, the lower 80% of these players really are going to see a benefit as far as what they're being paid. And, um, and, you know, they're going to get significant raises. You mentioned expanded rosters and practice squads, you know, how do you think that's going to play out for some, you know, for in your business, for some of the guys that you represent, obviously there's going to be more opportunities now for, for players to make teams and, and make active rosters and get on a practice squads. Yeah, and it's, you know, being a younger agent and, you know, most of the, the players that I've been getting up to this point are, like you said, kind of the back-end roster types or bubble-type players. I mean, it is a lot of benefits for me, and, you know, I, I definitely see, 
how it can help me out. You know, some of these guys are going to make more money now, and you know that I'm able to charge a or my commission will be higher. Uh, you know, more practice squad spots, more roster spots, so my some of more more guys will get a look uh, or be able to stick around. So that definitely does help me, and you know, I'm appreciative of that. You know, with that said, I. I still personally would have held out longer and, you know, risked uh, the extra year to get even, you know, better uh, terms on, on the player's end. But, you know, that's kind of a moot point now that, you know, just got to take what we have. So, um, you know, I think it does help. Uh, I mean, I think it helps agents across the board, but especially, you know, kind of guys in my boat, smaller agencies or guys who are uh, newer into the, into the business and, trying to you know get off the ground so when you said you you're obviously you you're obviously disappointed overall about the deal but what do you think they left on the table like what more do you think they could have gotten yeah so with the with the last cba um you know the actually the players had a higher revenue share in several pools uh or a majority share um on, on the pre-2011 cba uh, sorry and then got cut all the way down um, to I believe it was 47 now 47 50 to 53 in favor of the owners, um, and it's the lowest revenue share in major sports in uh, North America. So you know WNBA, NHL, MLB, um, NBA all have the players all have at least a 50 percent share. So it's I mean I, I think that should be a non-starter that it should be you know all the way up. 50-50 or even closer than, than what they negotiated, it's, it's still going to stay at 47 for this next season, which just doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to have a new deal, why would you not jump it up to the to the 48, which is going to be, you know, after next season? So to me, that makes no sense. Um, you know, I, if, I, I don't think they should have jumped to 17 games. I think that was also, you know, outside of time, that was the, the biggest bargaining chip they had. And I don't think they got enough in return to warrant, you know, jumping up to an extra game, um, you know, especially because the owners are going to make so much more money off of that. Uh, again, I would have liked the rosters to maybe go up to 60. I don't think that hurts anybody. And even if you don't right, raise the salary cap, but, you know, even if salaries are a little bit smaller, but more guys are uh, on a roster and making a lot of money, I still think that helps overall and kind of helps the greater good. So those are some of the main points that I really would have liked to see. Um, again, you know, you see other things like the bye week would have been nice for the players. Um, the the uh, retirement, the pensions were cut vastly for ex-players, which uh, I think is definitely not a good thing. And, you know, a lot of these guys now are going to, you know, feel the, the brunt of that once they're retired and um, see how they, you know, if they, if they regret it once yeah. their careers come to an end. Yeah. And you, you talked about the active roster number being bumped up. Could you go into deep, like what, what is the exact number? Where, when is that going to take effect? So this coming year, uh, they'll be able to go up to 55, which again, that's two extra spots uh, from 53 to 55. And then the game day roster. So guys who can actually dress or be on the field is going to jump from 46 to 48. Uh, eight of those guys have to be linemen now or offensive linemen. Uh, so again, I, I mean, uh, I think that's great for player safety. Uh, if you have two more guys on out there that 
Um, again, injuries can go down. More guys get an opportunity and a higher pay. I just would have liked it, you know, even higher amount, like 60. I think there's enough money to go around where they could have spread that and uh, helped even more guys out. And, you know, there's plenty of good players out there. I don't – talent's not an issue. It's just, you know, fitting, the, you know, enough pieces to the puzzle. Uh, there's so many guys on the streets that could contribute right now to an NFL team, but there's not enough uh, spots out there. So that's what I would have liked to see even an even higher amount um, than 55. But it's a step in the right direction. And, you know, hopefully with the next CBA, that's a point that gets increased even more. I never understood why I never understood why the rosters weren't higher to begin with, and I don't understand why you have to cut down what eight players, ten players from from active to game day rosters. That never made sense to me. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason, but I, I never, I'm, no one's ever explained to me what why that was the case. Yeah, I read up on that a little bit recently. Uh, I think it has something to do with you know if you have some injuries, then you're not having to cut guys. Um, to have to be at that set amount gotcha. of like 53. So if you know one one team has 51 healthy guys, and the other team has 53, then you're kind of at a disadvantage on game day versus if you only have you know 46 each, even if you have extra healthy players. That I guess gives you some wiggle room for for IR and that makes sense. And injuries without having to cut guys. But yeah, it's still kind of weird to wrap your they, head around. They added an IR position, correct? Isn't it? Uh, yeah, you can take another yeah, third guy off. You can designate for return uh, okay. to come back. So that's definitely a, a positive, too. So if a guy has a, you know, an injury, but it's not going to be a season-ending injury that you know, he sits out for you know, part of the season, that you're able to get him on the back half and um, you know, replace him in the front half of the season. <clears throat> so and- – well, they're taking away the preseason game, and I get I get that. I understand why. I don't think it's a bad move necessarily, but it does hurt. You know, we talked about how this this new CBA benefits more of the lower salary players, but yeah. taking away that preseason game kind of hurts them because I mean that's where a lot of these guys try to shine. So when you're taking away that preseason game, you're taking away another opportunity for a guy to try to make a living. Correct? Or do you do you not view that as that big of a deal? No, I do, uh, especially the. You know, the last couple guys trying to fight for the roster spot, that's when those preseason games are vital. And, you know, I know the fans don't usually like watching, you know, the games and it can get drawn out. But, uh, you know, that's really those guys' time to shine. And, you know, where the, where the rosters are um, finally decided, you know, how they perform under the lights. So, you know, one less game, you know, then you're going to have your starters playing even a little bit more just to get them ready since they have a, you know, one less game in the preseason as well. So, you know, it's kind of cut across the board. So, yeah, I don't. I would have liked them to keep the fourth preseason game and just add an extra week to the season. Um, but, again, it is what it is on that. So, you know, you're yeah. going to have to take advantage of the opportunities that you do get and just know that, you know, it's going to be less going forward than what guys in the past have had. You start. You started seeing a trend last year, maybe the year before, where coaches are starting to to bench all of their starters uh, in that fourth preseason game. So I'm wondering if it had anything to do with that. But you're right. I mean, in that fourth preseason game, if you're benching starters, that really is the opportunity for those those fringe players to to get a lot of reps and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of film. So I, I mean, it, I I can I can see it both ways, but um, I, I don't know. Yeah, like like you said, it's uh, I mean, there's plus and minus to it, but you know, in, in my boat, 
you know, I don't like it because, you know, again, my, my guys are more, you know, trying to fight for the 53 at this point and, you know, every snap they can get is beneficial and can help them out. So, you know, I don't like to see it go, but again, I, you know, the agents that have the, the superstar players, you know, probably are, are for it because it's just less, less time and uh, less snaps overall that they'd have to be, you know, worrying about. Now you're talking about, I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because you're talking about obstacles for some of the guys that are on the bubble and you represent a lot of those guys. Um, and you're going to represent a lot of the, the rookies going in and they're also going to kind of start be starting out on a bubble. How is all of this coronavirus stuff affecting you and your clients pro days, your clients, you know, workouts like how, I mean, the, these, these smaller school guys or these under underrated guys, or these guys that are listed as priority free agents, prior, priority undrafted free agents. I mean, this is kind of, where they make their living. How is that affecting you and your clients? Oh yeah, it's huge. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure it out right now. So, you know, most of the guys up to this point, you have a good idea if they're going to get drafted or not, you know, I'd say probably 80% or so. Um, and then that other 20 give or take percent is, you know, you would find out at their pro day, you know, how they run, how they measure and all that, and that can move them up or down. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely tough for a lot of players. You know, in this class, I have two guys. One, uh, tight end Jalen Harris at Colorado. and He was a former starter at uh, Auburn and grad transfer to Colorado. Um, you know, mostly an inline blocker, an H-back type. And they had, uh, you know, one of the last pro days before, uh, you know, all the stuff really started getting blown out and um, all the schools started canceling. So we were lucky enough that, you know, he was able to have a pretty good showing in front of, a, uh, I want to say, around 20 scouts. So, you know, he lucked out with his. And then my other guy, uh, Rob Knowles, a safety at Miami, uh, you know, they're up in the air right now. They're just supposed to be April 1st and, you know, the NFL pulled all the scouts off the road. So what Miami is talking about doing is having a closed uh, pro day and filming it and, you know, sending out uh, the stats and scores and measurements to all the teams. So, you know, they're still trying to work that out and, you know, a date is to be determined. So hopefully, you know, that ends up coming to fruition. So it can help a guy like him who, again, is kind of on the, on the border of, of making it and, uh, you know, has some good film put together, but, you know, needs that extra, um, you know, time in front of scouts and to get some verified uh, measurements and 40s and all of that. So, yeah, it definitely hurts a lot of the small school guys who would, you know, normally come out of nowhere or um, kind of validate what they've shown on, on film versus lesser competition. And then, you know, some of these guys at bigger schools who maybe only started a year and don't quite have as much film out there, but, you know, looked apart and, you know, are able to, to put up good athletic numbers and testing. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot higher percentages here of players drafted from the combine um, versus years past. I think there's probably going to be less small school guys. And I think some of the um, probably later rounds in the PFA, the, you know, priority free agent range, I think you're going to see more big school guys you know, even if it's a guy who only started a year or two versus a, a multi-year starter at an FCS or D2 school who's, uh, you know, very talented, but they don't have that uh, corroboration with the numbers to back it up or, you know, in-person scouting. So, you know, I think it's going to affect a lot of players. I'm hoping that NFL teams will bring in more guys for rookie minicamp tryouts than in years past to just give them an extra look. 
um, in, in front of other, you know, in, in a type of scrimmage setting and um, be a little bit more lenient on that. And, you know, I hope that they'll actually watch the film from, you know, some of these training facilities are hosting their own little combines and some of the schools are starting to talk about having their closed combines. So, you know, hopefully that they'll, uh, you know, take those, those numbers um, that they get and not just throw them away and, you know, actually watch the, watch the clips that are put together. But yeah, it's definitely a, a weird time. And, you know, the guys who are in the combine definitely uh, benefited. And, you know, I'm, now I'm wondering if some of the guys who didn't uh, perform at the combine who were invited or if they're kicking themselves or, you know, standing by that are sitting to try to wait for pro day, and even though they might not have one now. Yeah, and I mean, a good example of that, we were talking about this last week. I mean, a guy, Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, uh, I mean, he ran, I think it was, he might have ran the four threes, four four flat, whatever it was in the 40 yard dash, which is yeah. something no one really expected. And on the flip side of that, J.K. Dobbins, because those two were, those two and DeAndre Swift were kind of uh, jostling for the number one spot. Uh, J.K. Right. Dobbins elected to sit out and run at his pro day. Well, he, you're talking about a guy who's a fringe first rounder uh, as those top three running backs are, and he's not going to get the opportunity to run at his pro day. Uh, I mean, we're talking about, a, there's a big difference in money there from, for the first round oh, to million. the second round. Yeah. Uh, so, it's a million dollar decision. And it's, uh, yeah, like, like you said, um, Taylor, and, and I, I saw the track numbers, you know, when he was in high school, he was like, I think a 10, five guy. And, you know, obviously he's a he's a bigger back, and in, in, in that Wisconsin offense, I think some people kind of forget what kind of speed he has. But just you know, validating that at, at, on the biggest stage of the combine, I think he probably solidified himself as you know running back one in this draft. And and Dobbins had as good of a shot to to go if you know if he would have put up similar numbers or you know good enough numbers. But you know now not having that opportunity or having it in question. Um, you know, like you said, there's, you know, going from, you know, even the middle to end of first round or the end of first round to beginning of second round, I and mean, it's millions of dollars uh, won and lost, you know, at those slots. So you're, and you're not getting any indication from the NFL that they're going to try to, I mean, I don't really know what they could do. I guess I'm more or less asking you. I mean, I know that they've canceled. They were, they had a, the NFL has a couple smaller regional combines. I mean, for instance, they have the HBCU regional combine that I'm sure yep. you're aware of. Whether it was, I can't remember if it was in Atlanta or Miami or whatever. Uh, they have other regional yeah, combines like that. Yeah, I didn't know if they are they going are they trying to set up more areas like that or I I just I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do. Are they just going to wing it and move are, forward on what they got? Are they going to push yeah, it back? Do you think? I mean, first off, do you think they're going to push the? Go ahead. I was going to say those those combines have actually been uh, canceled as well, um, or at least postponed with you know no date in sight. Uh, you know the latest we've heard is the draft is still going to be held uh, the end of April, but it's not going to be the the large fanfare uh, you know as years past. And so I don't know if you know everyone's just going to be at home doing that or just have a small select uh, group of players in Vegas, but not have the, the large crowds. That's still, I think, to be determined. Um, but it's looking like they're not going to push the draft back yet unless, you know, things just get catastrophically worse uh, nationally, which uh, let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, what it's looking like, the only real option is, is, you know, if players trained at a training facility, is you know, having a type of pro day or combine at one of those, which some of them are starting to do, or, 
if their schools are, um, you know, willing to, to host them and, and film is, you know, Iowa announced that they're doing that. Uh, I mentioned before Miami is talking about doing that as well. I'm sure more schools will be joining suit, uh, with some of the bigger ones that have a handful of draft eligible players. Um, you know, the rest of the guys, they're, you know, kind of out of luck unless they're, um, able to set something up on their own. The, the only tough part is, um, you know, having verifiable time and, you know, some, I know there's ex, some ex uh, scouts that are, I think, providing a service now to go around at facilities and time. So it's, you know, you have an ex NFL guy doing that. And, um, you know, some schools are just having the strength coaches do that. So, you know, yeah, my hope is that the NFL teams don't just take those times with a grain of salt that they do get, but I could see it happening as well. Dude, you're stressing me out, man. I'm getting I'm getting anxiety <laughs> from this. Like this is this is changing the game. Like I'm just a, I'm just a loser, uh, you know, watching yeah. highlight videos <laughs> in my in my de- desk, and and you're and, I mean, and you're I'm, representing I'm these guys, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Like it's just it's I I just don't know. I mean, what are you gonna if they? Uh, so I, it's not. I understand that. Look, let's let's use. We talked about Javante Dean last time you were on the show. Uh, I don't want to talk about you know yeah. the current guys because we don't know where they're gonna. They don't, we don't know where, where they're gonna go, and I don't want to you know put any standards or pr- predictions on them. But we'll use Javante Dean. Javante Dean was a, a guy that was went undrafted. You know, went to the Browns mini camp that he was invited to. What happens? And that's where he made his money, and that's what kind of gave him his start, and that's what kind of allowed him to get picked up by Pittsburgh. Now, I you know, and by the way, I saw he got picked up by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but what what are you going to do if they push those back or if they cancel those? Or I just I don't. There's so many variables here. I mean, there's rumors floating around that this could last until after the draft. I mean, is there? Are you hearing any backup plan at all? Uh, I'm really not hearing any backup plan. So yeah, so a guy like Javante who didn't start a game in Miami was uh you know here for two years because he was at a JUCO before. Uh, rotational player though played a lot his last you know, two seasons and led the team in interception. Um, you know, his strong suit was his length and size and um, four three to four four speed. So Pro Day was huge for him, you know, being able to run those times and, you know, show, you know, how long his arms were and how tall he was in person, uh, to all those scouts. So, you know, that's what got him, you know, a lot of the interest because, you know, he's a raw football player, just needed more coaching, but had the all the traits that you would want in a corner. Uh, so for him, yeah, that got him, you know, this tryout with the Browns, and he ended up, you know, making the most of that, signing the 90 man and playing in the preseason there, you know, before going over to Pittsburgh and then spending some time in the um, CFL and, you know, back in the CFL again. So a guy like him, you know, those, those measurables uh, were huge just so he could have something else to back him up because he didn't have as much film as everyone else did. So, you know, some of these other guys, you know, they're in trouble. And, you know, what I think might happen and what I'm going to have to be doing also uh, as an agent is trying to find some more um, possibly Canadian opportunities on the front end where, you know, we're not waiting around all summer for uh, an NFL opportunity that, you know, might not happen now at this point. And getting a guy some film up north, you know, with a chance to maybe come down in a year that's a possibility or a contingency plan. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot more players in that boat trying to buy for those opportunities now. Um, you know, the only other thing you can do is really just try to vouch for your guys, send as much film and information that you can. 
um, you know, trying to get workout videos and just guys, you know, videos of your guys moving around, running their forties and all that, sending that to the teams and, uh, you know, with hope that, you know, they'll bring them in for a, uh, a workout or tryout basis. So I, I do think a lot of those teams are going to probably have more one day or three day, uh, tryouts for guys, even if it's, you know, you're, you're stuck with your 90 man roster for the, uh, the preseason, but, uh, in the summer, I could see more, more guys getting an opportunity or a look for a couple of days just because, uh, the scouts aren't going to be on the road for the, for the pro days. Well, I guess I, I that makes sense. That like I said, they're they're gonna they're gonna do have have to do something. But man, these are stressful times. But I mean, you kind of talked about finding your players a back a backup plan. Um, you, you mentioned the CFL. So, like, how does that process work? Do you when you're you're doing negotiations like okay, hey, this player is gonna go trial for the Steelers, but if he doesn't make it or if something happens, he'll be on the next flight to Toronto. Or like, how does that work? Yeah, so with Javante, uh, you know, he caught Saskatchewan's eyes last year at Pro Day. And, uh, you know, we were in touch with them for quite a bit before he ended up making uh, the 90-man roster at, in Cleveland last year. So, you know, we kind of had a contingency plan with them the whole time that, you know, the NFL is his first choice. That's what he wants to do. But, you know, if he gets cut, then we're going to go right up to Canada and um, play for you guys get more film so that's you know he ended up playing the last eight weeks of the season up there with Saskatchewan to end the season after he was let go by uh, Pittsburgh Steelers so you know just maintaining those relationships you know finding guys that could be good fits up there uh, you know having those conversations earlier than later you know it's a passing league up there there's only three downs there's a I believe it's a 20 second play clock uh, wider and longer field. So athleticism and length is, um, you know, definitely a premium up there for, you know, a corner like Javante. Um, you know, if, if you can return the ball, um, you know, if you're quick in open space as a running back or receiver, uh, it's not as much of a power game. It's more of a finesse and athleticism game up there. So, um, you know, my safety for Miami, Rob Knowles, would be a good fit up there because he's a little – it has some good length, has some good athleticism. Uh, so that's a guy that, you know, I would have those conversations about and, um, you know, try to maybe find a contingency plan. Uh, you know, they don't use the tight end up there much at all. So, you know, my tight end Jalen Harris from Colorado probably wouldn't be a, a good fit. And, you know, he'd be riding more, um, you know, really needing that NFL opportunity or, you know, having to wait till, hopefully an XFL season next year if things don't work out. So uh, it all depends on position also and, um, you know, what they what they need up north as a backup. But, so yeah, I know that's why a lot of players are hoping that the XFL returns for, for year two as well. Just so they have that, um, you know, an extra league to fall back on if uh, things don't work out initially. Hey, well, yeah, awesome. I think we're all rooting for the XFL to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And it will. It's coming back. <laughs> We, they already announced it. Yeah, I was too. I was impressed with it. I think yeah. they did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. Hey, well, hey, be awesome. Before we let you go, I got a couple more questions about the CBA. Uh, one of them, yeah, which of I'm course. surprised we haven't talked about yet, but is is the substance abuse policy? Yet. So, oh, if yeah. if I'm understanding it correctly, players will not be suspended for positive drug test tests anymore. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, they'll be um, for for marijuana. Um, now, I mean, if you're doing steroids or um, and I, I'd have to look at, I believe other three drugs are still banned. Um, so I, yeah, THC was, 
the uh, the, the one where you're just gonna have your have your counseling. Yeah, that was what was mentioned. Good. So they don't have the long form of the CBA out yet. It's just the the main points right now, and they'll write up the you know 400 so page document, the long form. Uh, this probably this summer is when we'll get that. Uh, but yeah, I mean even beforehand, you only had a few month window where you were tested, so. Um, you know, the guys that were failing the test were not smart about what they were doing, you know, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lot more guys who could have failed tests if they were testing year round. Uh, but again, I, I knew that the owners were going to really hang that over the players' heads. And I think too many players cared, you know, too much about it where, you know, I think federally it's going to be legal in the next couple of years, but, yeah. um, you know, it's. I, I think they should have been on even ground with the MLB and NBA, and it shouldn't even been a negotiating point. But again, like we said, the the owners are billionaires for a reason, and they're smart, and they know how to negotiate. And you know, knew that this was a you know a carrot hanging over the players' heads, and that they were going to bite for it and uh, give up. You know, the owners don't care if the players are smoking or not, but they know they can get something in return if they if they let them. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I and I think it's something that probably doesn't affect as many, you know, not as that many players are getting suspended from, you know, positive marijuana tests. And, you know, I think they could have got something else instead that really affects more players. But, um, you know, I'm glad to see that it's out now. You know, I think there's potentially, you know, they're still studying it a lot with the medical benefits and not having to rely on the, the painkillers and pills and all that. So, um, you know, I think it's a positive thing. I just, again, you know, knew that I think the players probably had too much uh, weight on that as a as a stance in their negotiations, and you know, the owners probably took advantage of that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I agree with you. Um, one last thing that I have, and then Josh, obviously, you know, follow up with any questions that you have. Um, but in regards to the CBA specifically, now, hopefully, Austin, you're. You know, you're you're in a position in a few years to where you're representing a player that has the leverage to hold out. But yeah, in this new CBA, it, there's much stricter for uh, punishments or fines or fees or whatever you have, whatever you may you may call it for for a player that chooses to hold out. Correct? Uh, not for a rookie though. That'll be for a uh, second year um, or second contract. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there are the the uh, the penalties are much higher, but again, yeah, it won't be on the uh, on the rookie the initial contract. Well, that's what uh, I'm saying. Hopefully, in a few years, you got one of those guys that that has uh, yeah, exactly. has enough talent to hold out. Yeah, <laughs> hey, that's the plan. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, get it done earlier. But uh, yep. again, got to we'll you know exercise all the all the leverage that you do have. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, well, did you have any last questions? No, man, it's getting late, so we should probably uh, end this real quick. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you coming back on, Austin. Uh, we'll have to bring you back on when the uh, CFL season starts to get rolling to check in on Javante. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, they're uh, set to start camp in the uh, second week of May if all goes well. So uh, let's hope all this virus stuff is blown away by then. But, yeah, I know we'll all be uh, watching that pretty closely. But yeah, but even before that, just hoping these pro days get uh, you know resolved in, in some aspect and the draft goes smoothly. But yeah, really appreciate you guys having me back on. You know, love talking football and enjoy talking with you guys. And you know, any information I can pass on, you know, I'm more than happy to. 
Absolutely, man. You were great. Appreciate it. The guy knows everything about the CBA. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to hit him on Twitter. The dude is a great. He he responds to everything. He responds to everything. Um, I'm sure you can. You just search his name online. We'll put it. We'll yeah, put his A-Finney. Twitter. We'll put his Twitter. Yeah, P Finney. We'll put his Twitter handle in the article too. But back to the free agency talk. The Browns added a couple more pieces. Uh, we just got done talking about Case Keenum. Do you want to start diving into the Andy Janovich uh, trade? Well, that was a great. I thought it was a great trade. I know I saw you on Twitter. I think you loved it as well. Um, oh yeah. I think this is this is a sign of of things to come for this 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 Cleveland Browns offense and what, how they're gonna how they're gonna operate this season under Kevin Stefanski. I think they're gonna run the football. That's obvious to me with with what they're trying to do on the offensive line and now with the addition of a, uh, of a fullback of of that pedigree. So yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good hire. I think or a good good pickup. Um, I think it's it's really indicative of of how uh, I think it's signaling a lot for how they're going to run their offense this season. Yeah, I was a big fan of the trade. You're getting rid of a seventh rounder. I mean, to put into context how useless seventh rounders typically are. Last year, the Cleveland Browns drafted Donnie Lewis Jr. in the seventh round out of Tulane. He didn't even make the roster. Okay, so that's and that's tip. That's very typical for a seventh round pick. Uh, so and Andy Janovich is going to play. He is going to play. He's a very solid fullback. Um, very good player when he's not playing fullback. I mean, if they decide not to use a fullback, he can play special teams very effectively. Uh, you know, he runs very hard. He's fairly athletic. He was going to have a career year last year, signed a big extension with the Denver Broncos, you know, for a full, from a fullback standpoint. But he had a real nasty injury. I'm sure everybody saw it on uh, national TV. I can't remember if it was Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings where he dislocated his elbow on that pass out to the flash. Do you remember that? I don't, I don't, but I'm, please, I'm glad I don't because I don't please do, well do me a favor. Please do me a favor. Everybody YouTube, the Andy Janovich dislocated elbow. It's disgusting. But I mean, it, the point is, is he was going to have a career year up to that point. The Denver Broncos really liked him. Uh, Pat, they just hired Pat Sherman to be the new officer coordinator. So they're going in a different direction. Uh, he's six, one, 238 pounds, still 26 years old, very active, very good, uh, very good lead blocker. Like I said, very good athlete runs real hard up the hole. The only issue with him is that uh, he is a little thin. You know, you don't usually see fullbacks at two th- in that two thirty range. Usually they're two fifty. Um, but you know, again, he is a very technical blocker, very solid blocker. His highlight tape is all over Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a great trade. Yeah, I did too. I absolutely did. Now there were there were a couple of different right before we started the podcast. The Browns made two additional moves. They signed B.J. Goodson, the linebacker who last played for the Green Bay Packers, uh, and then Carl Joseph. Now, B.J. Goodson, um, how, how do you feel about B.J. Goodson? I'll I'm be not- honest with you, man. I, I I didn't know any. You said you mentioned it just happened before we started the pod. I, I didn't yes. even know. So, so obviously, BJ- obviously, the loss of Joe Schobert that you needed to you needed to fill um, in some depth at the linebacker position that makes sense. And also, uh, Christian Kirksey is gone as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to do something at linebacker that makes sense. It, I get signing a linebacker. You got to add a linebacker. BJ Goodson. I'm not a big fan of him. To be completely honest, I'll tell you right right from the get go. I'm going to be biased against him. I didn't like him coming out of Clemson. He came out of Clemson in 2016 when they had that phenomenal defense. You'll remember Kevin Dodd and uh, oh my gosh, um, Shaq Lawson. Kevin okay. Dodd and Shaq Lawson were the defensive ends, and then you had uh, J. Ron Curse and T.J. Green with their safeties, and then um, there was just everybody on that defense was good, and he was just kind of there. He just kind of let running, runners fall into his lap. I just didn't think he was very good, and he wasn't very good with the Giants, so they got rid of him. And then the Packers, basically, what happened with the Packers too is that he started, 
And then as the season went on, he he misses a lot of tackles. A lot, you know, you'll see on Twitter everybody says, "Oh, he's good against get run. He's good against the run. He's good against the run." I disagree with that because he misses tackles constantly. I just think he's so atrocious against the pass. I shouldn't say that. I don't think he's that. I just don't think he's very good. He misses a lot of tackles. Uh, you know, towards the end of the season with the Packers, they were sitting him out of snaps because they're using five defensive backs. I'm just not a big fan. Not a big fan. I I get it. I'm not mad about it. I would rank this better than the uh, Case Keenum tr- uh, signing, <laughs> but I'm you know I'm not going to be throwing a parade for him. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, and the big signing, I, I was pumped about this. Carl Joseph, uh, the strong safety from the Oakland, well, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you guys, a lot of people remember him. You'll probably remember him too. He was a first round pick out of West Virginia, also in 2016. I think it was 2016. Um, he was kind of like the draft darling. He didn't really get a whole. For, he was he was very solid, very good throughout the entire season as a, as a college football player, as you know, his last year in college. And then he kind of exploded during the pre draft process and then he got into the first round a lot of people didn't view him as a first round pick until like the last few months leading up to it uh he dealt with a lot of he dealt with a few injury issues in college he's dealing with a lot of a few injury issues in the as a pro too and that's kind of what's holding him held him back uh but he's very good hard hitter someone that i view i I think that i was wrong on coming out of college because he's much better than i thought he was going to be he will come up he will smack you in the mouth uh he's I, I like him. I'm a big fan. If he plays, gets anywhere to where he was as a rookie in 2016, it's a complete win for Cleveland. Like I said, he's been bumped and bruised, but a healthy Carl Joseph is better than, I mean, 90% of the defensive backs in the NFL. And you got him on a one-year deal. Yeah, one-year deal. Everything I've heard about Carl Joseph is that, you know, he's, like you mentioned, he's a really he's a really hard hitter. He'll come up and he'll make a play on on, on anybody with the football in their hands. And But he's he's a little weak in coverage. That's That's the one knock I've heard about him. Um, but I, I heard he's a, he's a great dude. Everybody loves him. Um, he's going to be a fan favorite. So yeah, I mean, I, obviously any of those, those types of guys are good for your roster. So, uh, and also it fills the needs. I, we had a couple safeties, uh, leaving free agency. Obviously that's a, that's a, a point of emphasis or a need for that team. So, yes. um, yeah, but I, mean, I, I heard there were some rumors about, um, what's the safety's name from Minnesota? Uh, Anthony Harris. Harris. Anthony Harris. I, I heard there was some trade rumors with him. I don't. I don't have any validation to that. I don't know. I mean, I've heard people talk about it. Uh, I think that it. I think that it's very realistic. I think that the Browns do want Anthony Harris. I think that Anthony Harris is very good. Uh, to give you some background information on Anthony Harris, I know we've pounded the table on him a lot on this show. We've talked about him a lot. Mac Robinson a few weeks back was actually the one that told me to go back and rewatch him because I wasn't that big of an Anthony Harris fan. Um, he kind of had. Uh, I, I had. I. Coming out, I think he was also drafted in 2016. I'm sorry, he went undrafted out of Virginia. Uh, he was a very highly productive player in college, but he tested very poorly, if I remember right. And he mm-hmm. that's why he went undrafted. But he's been very productive for Minnesota when he plays. Obviously, I believe he led the league in uh, led the league in interceptions last year. I like him. I think he he's great. Um, I'd be willing to give up. I'd be willing to give up quite a bit for him. So they're uh, saying we'll see how legit those offers are, or how, yeah. how legit those rumors are. So I mean, it sounds like you know discussions are happening between between Minnesota and Cleveland right now. S- Source is saying that uh, it's going to take a third, probably a second, to get Anthony Harris. Would you be willing to give up a second round pick for him? Yeah. Would you? Yeah, I wouldn't be. Ha- I wouldn't be happy about it, but I would do that. Yeah. Yeah, I was much high. I like I said, I uh, he had he had a rough. 
I'm I'm going to be like just like I was biased against BJ Goodson. I'm biased towards Anthony Harris. This is a guy. If you look back in my notes, I really liked him at Virginia, and always kind of thought he got shafted. So I'm always going to be biased towards those guys. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people would agree with me too. I mean, he's an he is an impact player. He does a lot of things really well. He's got a great attitude. You can go see listen to him do some interviews. Um, he, I think he believe he was on Rap Sheet and Friends a couple weeks ago. He's just a very likable person, very humble, very down to earth. He's a grinder. Um, he's I, I don't want to I hate using the word like culture changer or like a mm-hmm. good attitude, but you kind of talked about with Carl Joseph, and you're completely right. Carl Joseph is another guy that's really fun to listen to and talk and watch play. Uh, Anthony Harris is kind of the same way personality wise. The other thing I'm hearing about Anthony Harris that may be an obstacle to Cleveland is, you know, obviously he's coming, he's he's on his rookie deal right now. He's gonna want to, he's gonna want a long term deal. I don't know. Yes. Uh, in a, in a trade, I don't think Cleveland would want to give up a second round pick for a, a one year with a player. So they're obviously gonna have to extend his contract. But the amount of money that he's gonna want is Cleveland gonna be able to pay that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about the financials and what they have, uh, you know, in cap space long term or the next three to five years. Uh, but I'm hearing that that's an obstacle that th- that'll have to be overcome in order for that trade to happen. I tell you what, I'll reach out to some of my friends that I know a little bit more about cap cap space and cap math and all that good stuff, and we'll try to get them on the show within the next couple weeks. Uh, my understanding is that the Browns do have plenty of cash, and it would be no issue at all to sign Anthony Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding. It was that the plan was to really make a strong run at Anthony Harris, no matter what the price tag was, because they thought that the Vikings were going to just going to try to, you know let him walk rather than franchise him and trade him. Um, so I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. You know, he is from Minnesota. The Stefanski's from Minnesota. I, I, I think that that probably also plays a role for why he's trying to get him. Um, I, I don't, I don't see the price tag being too high for that guy. He is going to want a long-term deal, but I think that the Browns want to bring him in. Whoever gets him is going to want to bring him in for a long-term deal. Um, whether or not that brings down, like, cause it's different. That the big problem with the contract is that's when you talk about you know what is he really worth? His, his play style is probably worth a second rounder, right? And I wouldn't complain. But with that big contract, is he more worth like and you know and no one else? If no one else, is, so everybody wants him. Okay, so the field is thir- thirty-one teams. All right. Well, then there, now there's only ha- there's only fifteen teams that have the money to sign him. Well, now there's only ten teams that have the money to sign him and they need a safety. Well, now there's only five teams that you do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you, you, you're the. I don't really know if the window or the market for him is that large. So, I mean, could yeah. you get him for some kind of straight like Jarrell Casey, the Titans trade Jarrell Casey for a seventh round pick? Could you realistically get Anthony Harris for that? I don't know. You might be able to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I would feel uncomfortable giving up a second round pick, especially uh, how high how high in the in the second round we have a pick there. Uh, but if you can get him for a third and then extend his deal, I'd be all for that. Yeah, and like I said, time will tell with a lot of that stuff with the, a lot of the cap thing. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know how much that's worth as far as draft capital goes because the Vikings don't want to pay him. That's yeah. the big deal. If they wanted to pay him, they would have done it. They would have signed him. So they don't want to pay him. So yeah. I don't know if you're going to have to give up a second rounder for him. Like I said, the Titans just trade Jarrell Casey to the Denver Broncos for a seventh round pick. And Jarrell Casey, I mean, if, if you talk about his talent level, I'd probably give you a first rounder for him. The dude's <laughs> dominant. He's only, I mean, he's 30 years old, so he's a little older. But I mean, the dude is pretty, pretty dominant. Yep. Yep. So we, we've talked about everybody that they've added. Uh, obviously, we think, you know, the additions are, are a really good thing. Uh, lost a if few they were guys. done, if they were done right now, I'd be happy. 
Yeah, like I'm, I'm satisfied with what they've done already. I think everybody in Cleveland would. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but we lost Kristen Kersey. Uh, he went. To, he signed with Green Bay. Lost uh, safeties Justin Burris and Eric Murray. Burris went to Carolina. Murray went to Houston, and then Joe Schober just signed a uh, signed a big contract with Jacksonville. Um, you know, what do you think about those guys that we let go in free agency? You kind of saw the writing on the wall with each and every one of them. We talked about Kirksey. Kirksey, we saw the writing on the wall for a really long time. Uh, we knew that the Browns were going to try to keep him based off of, you know, a restructuring his contract. He said no. He ended up getting a pretty wicked deal with the Packers. Good for him. That was the one that kind of broke my heart just because I remember him, again, me being biased, remember him being a big thumper at Iowa. And when he was healthy, he was good. People can tell you he wasn't good all they want, but I don't know what they're watching. Because when he was healthy, he was good. But the problem was he hasn't been healthy for about five years. Um, Joe Schober, he was a tackling machine. But I, I could see why. And I like Joe, Joe Schober. I would never tweet this out because everybody would be tweeting at me. And they'd just be trying to make me cry. Uh, but <laughs> Joe, Joe Schober was a tackling machine. But he also missed a lot of tackles. He wasn't the best. He wasn't the best at, at a lot of different areas of he was a jack of all trades, master of none. And so I could see yeah. why they didn't want to pay him um, as much as he probably wanted. Uh, yeah, Eric Murray, forty-two million dollars, I think, from Jacksonville. It's a he, it's a big deal. Which isn't as much as I thought. That's not as much as yeah. I thought he was going to request going in. So I mean, hindsight, they probably should they probably should have signed him for that number because yeah. I don't think that's an atrocious number. But originally, the thought process was he was going to be much higher than that. Yeah, Cincinnati probably- really wanted him. They, I think they pursued him pretty hard. Uh, yes. But just weren't willing to match what Jacksonville is willing to pay them, and and Jackson, I just Jacksonville's got to be the worst team in the league next year. They, they I just don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it, there's a, yeah, it's very strange. There's a couple teams that have been very puzzling. I mean, you cut, but we, we talked about uh, who else you said leave it? Justin Burrs and Eric Murray. We kind of saw the mm-hmm. running, running the wall with those guys too. We talked about their contracts being up and those guys being stopgap solutions to begin with. Obviously, the Browns have their eyes on Carl Joseph. They're trying to add some more defensive backs there. Uh, obviously, I'm thinking that they're going to think Greedy Williams is going to take a bigger role this year. Uh, Denzel Ward will be heavy, uh, healthy. So those guys were also were both very solid. You know, it's hard to, but it is what it is. You kind of saw the right on the wall with all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously they've um, they you know they've replaced or they're they're attempting to replace the safety position with Anthony Harris. They 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 siled, um, allegedly. Joseph, so, um, what's that? Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. That, that's the rumor. Uh, so they're they're fill they're starting to fill the holes that they lost in free agency. Obviously, um, they're filling other holes that they had um, on their roster in free agency. They got the draft coming up. They got the tenth pick. Uh, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of reasons to be optimistic with this roster, but I know, I know Cleveland fans have been optimistic for a long time. It's always been next year. So, but I, I, I do think um, they've they have righted the ship. They're on the right track. I, I think there's an opportunity for this team to be really good next year. We've been saying that for a long time. I know brother. You have. I, I do. I, know I think, you have. think they're making. Think they're taking the right steps to be competitive. This, this feels different to me. Go five hundred. Different. Yeah, it felt different to me last year too, my friend. I, I never bought in to to Freddie. But th- I, I, I do, I do, I do buy in this year. I didn't buy into Freddie either. But you know, but I also said it's going to be hard to lose with OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and Baker Mayfield coming off that fantastic rookie season, and here we are. Right. But uh, but yeah, they they're making a lot of strides in, in, in the right direction. I think that we, you know, 
we're both very excited. Uh, and the next shows are going to be great too, man. We're going to bring on some more more guests. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll bring on some people to talk about the cap. Bring on some people to talk about Austin Hooper that maybe know his game a little bit better than us. Uh, it sucks the XFL is over, so we don't have anything to bet on. But we'll be talking <laughs> about the draft too coming up. Yeah, ho- hopefully they don't move the draft back. I'm real concerned that they'll do that here in April just be- just because of all the issues that they're having with with scouting and pro days being postponed or canceled. Uh, hopefully, you know, I I. I I, I think there's a there's a non-zero chance that they do push that the draft back and uh you know hopefully that's not the case i'm, I'm kind of going stir crazy without all all these sports uh, this free agency has been a has has, has picked up my spirits a little bit I, it's kind of gotten yeah. the juices flowing again but man it's been uh it's been wild without no with no sports I, I was really crushed when they canceled march madness dude i i just love how vince man was hanging on dude Vince McMahon was hanging on. He's like, dude, you could just—I bet you could see the twinkle in his eye, all that, all those dollar signs, just hanging on, not trying to cancel the XFL. Then, obviously, somebody for the Seattle Dragons actually had it, so he was like, oh god, I gotta do this. Yeah. Now Now it's the UFC hanging on. Yeah, the UFC's hanging on. That's true. That's true. They have a huge. I would be okay. Yeah. I would be okay if they if they delayed the NFL draft. I I'm more want some of those smaller school guys, some of those fringe guys that Austin was talking about uh, to get their opportunity at their pro. I would rather them extend the draft out, get those regional combines done, let everybody yeah. fi- uh, finish up their pro days, and then us move on. But you know, yeah, I don't think but it is what it is. But if if they do that, do they have to push the or do they have to condense the 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 summer workouts or the summer camps and do that or do they have to push the season back? I don't know. Uh, it, this is all. This is all moving target. It's fluid. Wow. It changes. It changes every day. Who knows? It's liquid, baby. Happen. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Stock market's not liquid, though. <laughs> all right. This was the Browns Wire podcast. I'm your host, Josh Keatley. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Keatley16. I got scouting reports on every single person the Browns have added. So if you got any questions, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or check out my work at BrownsWire.com. Adam, you want somewhere they can follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. More two one zero two. Awesome. We're out. All right, we'll see you. 各尽其责以保护彼此，让我们得以应对这场疫情。请继续坚持以被证明有效的举措，来更好保护自己不受 COVID-19 及其变种的侵害。比如，在公共室内场所佩戴口罩，旅行与聚会前后接受检测。如果觉得生病了，就待在家中。请访问 myton.ca.gov 来查找您附近的疫苗或加强剂。由 The California Department of Public Health 为您提供。